Welcome to another action and fun-filled episode of Seishura, the Music Explorers podcast. As always, I'm Scooby Goo, and I'm Jim Jam. And we have a, you know, I like when we sprinkle in these kind of big picture, you know, talking about um, not like music theory, but just like our thoughts on on music and just some larger topics about just about music and this is yeah we and, and try to impress everybody with our deep thoughts uh, and th- this is one that, that, that that's the only reason i do it yeah just to <laughs> show up our, our big brains despite the fact that i know very little yeah. about music theory so if we ever yeah. did a topic on that it would be embarrassing we should do a music theory episode and just embarrass myself <laughs> no no, no, no seriously but, i mean just i i like whether it's necessary or not I think that would be a good episode worth doing. Yeah, I have to dig up. Uh, I think there was an article that some classical music bigwig wrote about how like music reviews are, you know, useless because they don't focus on theory. And like there was another, there was a reviewer that wrote a, a you know a counterpoint. So yeah, that's interesting. Uh, something else is interesting, which I forget exactly what conversation, what album it came up. We were, on. I think it was the new Black Midi album. Yes, I think it might have come up, or at least, it, it, I mean, I guess, to, you know, to the point of why we're talking about this, it's come up a few times. Uh, pacing, track lists, you know, obviously, we, track sequencing, track sequ- sequencing okay, whatever, as I call yeah, whatever it. you want to call it. Uh, we obviously talk a lot about music itself, which makes sense, given this is a music podcast. Uh, but no. there, there, you know, there are plenty of external factors that go into your enjoyment of a record you know obviously you know your experience with the band with the genre um you know how it's mixed masters produced all that stuff but i think something that you don't hear a lot is track sequencing you know what order do they put the tracks in um how they play off one another um you know stretches of good and, and mediocre to bad songs you know etc they're kind of along that line uh and i, I just want to start off with just kind of my you know too long didn't read um, assessment. I feel like one of the reasons you it's not talked about in that way or as much is because you, you know if you have good track sequencing, a lot of times you just focus on the fact that the songs are good. And if you have bad, like you don't necessarily notice that it's a good order. You just notice that it's a good album. And if you have bad track sequencing, um, I think a lot of times just the opposite happens, where you focus on why tracks are bad. But I think when albums are sequenced poorly it 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 is a huge it can hugely neuter what an album is trying to do i'm sorry i couldn't think of a better verb but um it takes away the album's virility yeah exactly <laughs> um so obviously we're gonna get, get into some examples some larger thoughts we're gonna obviously roll the conversation but uh just what are what are it's kind of your baseline going into this conversation. Like, like what, what are your thoughts heading into this, this discussion? Yeah, so uh, I, I guess the first thing to point out is that um, I think like all things in art, there is no steady and fast rule to how this works mm-hmm. because I think there are so many different approaches that could work. Uh, and I, I think we'll end up talking about a bunch of different examples throughout uh, the conversation here. Um, but I think for me, you know, it's about a flow uh, and not necessarily in terms of like, you know, the tracks have to, you know, somehow sound like they're one big song, mm. um, but more uh, sort of, I, I, I have it written down, it's sort of a, a natural progression uh, in the sonic or thematic palette of an album. And I, but by thematic, I am more talking about sort of the general vibe of a song you know uh you know it's a sad song it's an upbeat song etc etc um you know or maybe instrumental or you know what have you um so you know i i feel like it flow is a big thing here where it's not i i don't know if it's against the rules necessarily to have like oh you know to go to like a really exciting track then end with like a slow track it's more about making making sure that that progression is logical mm-hmm. in a way and just you know when you think about it you're like okay that makes a whole lot of sense um 
like I consider it, uh, if you remember uh, back way back to high school English, the Freytag plot diagram that has you know the uh, you know uh, opening opening action, rising action, climax, mm-hmm. falling action, denouement. You know, uh, it, it's a little like that that you have this you know direction that things are headed in. Um, that you know, and I, I think with a plot, you know, it's not like you can, you, you, you can't really, like, mix things up. I mean, you can, like, in terms of, like, a non-chronological story, mm-hmm. but those points are, not, like, nonetheless those points, in a way, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of how I look at it, but that being said, when I was doing research for this, I actually came across a few albums that I'm like, yeah, like, this doesn't exactly work but like like in terms of track sequencing but that doesn't mean it's a bad album mm-hmm. or that you know like I, I can only think of a few really only specifically one instance where the whiplash between two tracks was extremely jarring for me mm-hmm. um, to the point that I would actually flip the two tracks around even but um, you know there are other cases I mean if we're going to bring examples first of all um I Sophie's uh pearl every what is it oil of every pearls on insides, yeah. um how that begins with you know it, it's okay to cry, mm-hmm. but then goes immediately into Pony Boy and it was I I mean I think that was a big critique that I had of that album when we reviewed it that it was just a huge you know contrast, and you were like it is, but it works yeah exactly and I think that that's it, one of and, the beauties I mean obviously. And, and you're right. You're definitely right. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that's you know this is true of every discussion we have, but it's kind of the beauty of how yeah. you know we're having a conversation about this you know device of albums. So there's, there's no there's no rules. You know, it's just our our takes on it, and it's, you know something that people think doesn't work. You know, might work well for for other people. Yeah. But it just I think the, exactly. the main point, you know, main takeaway I'd like to have from this conversation is that it it does matter. You know, it could definitely impact your, you know. If, if if artists if it I, didn't matter, I, artists would literally. I think, I think it matters in that we need like I, I feel like it's something artists maybe should pay attention to more, or at least like I feel like there should be more of a conversation about it. Yeah, I mean, if it didn't matter, artists would literally just rant, you know, like just. Well, s- some do that. Yeah, I think. pull out of the hat and throw it on. Yeah, you know, if that if that works for what you're trying to do, but um, yeah, I think it goes back to I think. If an album is sequenced well, you might not notice it because it's just it's flowing well, it's doing what it needs to do. But if it's not, that's when it really it's super apparent. It's very mm. you know it sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, if, if we're going to, to quick examples, one of one of my classic examples this this is one of the first times that this really occurred to me um, was one of the more recent Godspeed You Black Emperor albums that's asunder. Uh, sweet and jeez, I always forget their fucking track names. But it's the one with the with, they, with the. Well, what's even the point? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's the just yeah, so it sweet and other, well, other distress. Well, a novel. That's what I was gonna yeah. say. I was gonna say other distress, but then I was like, is that right? Who knows? Um, yeah. So that was coming off the heels of Alleluia, Don't Bend, Descend, uh, which was four tracks, two twenty-minute, you know, long. You know, basically what you expect Godspeed post rock to sound like. That's what got me into the band. I think I still think it might be my favorite of their records. Uh, but you had two 20 minute tracks and then two six and a half minute drum, basically interludes. So you had this you know big epic track, short interlude, big epic track, short interlude. Uh, on Asunder, you had that switched up where you had about an 11 minute opener that kind of took a more rock oriented approach to the Godspeed sound. And then you had a finale, which did the same thing, about 14 minutes. And then the middle, you had a collective 15 minutes of drone. And it just totally, totally ruined the momentum of the album. Like, it just totally mm. did not work at all. Like, you, it, it just, everything that, you know, because especially with post-rock, it's such a, you know, build-and-release type genre. So to have, like, yeah, this, you know, I, yeah. this building stirring epic composition and then 15 minutes of drone that don't go anywhere and then you know try to ramp it back up again it just didn't work and it it was interesting because in terms of quality i would say just 
the songwriting wasn't. I, yeah, I still prefer Alleluia, but I don't think the songwriting was that much of a step down. But because of the way that the the album was sequenced, it just was not even close to as good or enjoyable a project. But you know, I think Counterpoint it 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 almost uh, the question that comes to my mind is where would you even put that? Because like it feels like the beginning, the middle is the only place for it in a way. Because you put it at the end, that's just dick move. That that's what I call a classic dick move. Uh, I, 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 I mean that—that's my personal bias. I hate when artists just waste the end of their album by putting in like, you know, twenty minutes of nothing. Um, but the thing is, to put it at the beginning is to completely bore the listener. Yeah, as well. Exactly, and I think that kind of flows into, you know, it was a—it started with the composition, like the, why the album came out like this came with the composition because you couldn't necessarily sequence these specific tracks in the same way as Alleluia because that's just not how they were written. And I, I think that's, mm. you know, another problem. And I mean, I don't have a specific album for this, but ex- extreme metal, like early earlier death metal, black metal, and even some newer bands, uh, I think they have a hard time with track sequencing because of how they write tracks. And usually when bands get, you know, progress their career, progress their songwriting, they're a little bit better at this, but... A lot of metal albums, especially in the heyday, as, as good as they are, it just, it truly does feel like a random order of tracks. Like, they don't really know how to write a cohesive album, so to speak. Like, I, I mean, are, are, okay, are we, you, you say extreme metal, right? I'm thinking of, like, you know, peak 90s death metal. Like, I mean, as much okay. as I love Be- that sound, from an album yeah. perspective, you it's basically 10 good death metal songs. Like, they don't really rise and fall it's just this song starts this song ends this song starts usually there's like a you know maybe one epic long track at the end that's really predictable that's what makes the great bands stand out because they're able to break that mold and actually have a rise and fall in dynamic well that's that's the interesting thing i i had uh iron man's power slave on the other day and like that has i i thought it has a really good track sequence to it you know because you start off with aces high which is just like balls to the wall go and then you kind of tone things down with um uh two minutes to midnight mm-hmm. but the whole thing ends with rhyme of the ancient mariner mm-hmm. uh you know which is like 15 minutes or something like that yeah you know it's i don't know it, it works i don't know it's it but but i i get what you mean I, what i thought you were gonna say was how um i don't i i think when when i was really you know had sort of my ear to the ground for metal um I would always notice these bands would always do like their opening track would just be like an intro. Yeah, it was just the, like the, a build up the, to the second track, which is like yeah. I I I guess if we're looking at it in this modality of like track sequencing, like I guess cool but also kind of unnecessary. <laughs> um but, but I don't really know if I I feel like that's almost a gray area for this conversation because it's it's more of like a pet peeve of mine than it is really something about the track listing i mean i i guess if you're gonna keep doing these interludes in between tracks that could be something but again we're we're not exactly talking about trying to make your album one cohesive song you know i mean people have done that i mean um porcupine trees uh the incident is you know one long song that just happened to be broken up into separate tracks yeah i I mean Um, for sure i think what it's a thing of, of an example where i think this works well uh, Morbid Angel Covenant, like there are so many, um, you know, every track takes a different, like this, you have the fast blasty sections, you have the really riffy groovy parts, but the way that it rises and falls throughout the album feels very natural. Um, like a lot of times, in, like that era of death metal specifically, and I think Iron Maiden's a great example of how this works well, because obviously they wrote from a, you know, you know, in some ways writing from a more melodic perspective might help. Um, but a lot of 90s death metal bands it feels like you know the songs just start with like the same kind of drum pattern the same kind of um, I, I think of a band like uh, I mean this is definitely true in, in Grind you know I think of a band like The Berserker or newer in All Noth Rock uh, where it just every song feels like it starts with the same like you know tense tremolos and then like you know you have these you know really sharp um, you know, Tom and, and cymbal hits, and then suddenly the blast beat starts. It feels like it starts the same way. 
But, well, I mean, I, is that a, that sounds like more a critique of like their their song structure than it is the actual like track sequencing. But I, th- I think that that points toward the track su- sequencing. If every song kind of sounds the same, that's true. Like, like I, I think that's why yeah, but, this is. But but also, if, if every song sounds the same, wouldn't that be kind of a moot point then? Because you could just put it in whatever order you wanted. Yeah, and that's I mean that's kind of you know, one side of track se- sequencing is if. There's no point in sequencing any of your tracks. Then you know. I mean, again, like you said, not that it needs to be one long cohesive yeah. piece, but I, I think that's why when it's bad, I mean, it's, like you might notice it a little bit more than when it's good. Like I, I think of uh, Pig Destroyer. Like I, I mean, I liked Grind when I was first getting into extreme metal. I, I really enjoyed um, like Napalm Death, but it felt like. Albums like Scum, just kind of, it was song after song after song. There was no eye toward, you know, having any kind of dynamics, any type of an album that felt like it was going anywhere, just like you're waiting for each song to move forward. Then a band like Pig Destroyer, I mean, Phantom Limb is so beautifully sequenced. Like, just within each song, they there's, it feels like there's so much going on within each track, but then they're able to do so many new things on each track. For an album like Grindcore, that's... Or, like, a genre like Grindcore... It just I, I just find that really impressive. I, I feel like I'd have more to say about sort of metal um, track sequencing, but I, I just, for me, like, I'm so caught up listening to the music itself a lot of the times that I, I just don't even notice the track sequencing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just because metal is just so dense for me, especially just a lot of, like, death metal. It's just, it's a lot to take in at once. And since I don't, it, it, it's not like I'm, I'm listening to it nearly as much as you do, so I don't really have the same uh, familiarity with it. Um, but I, I think if, if we can take a slight detour for a second, uh, because I sent you this last night, but I feel like it's worth talking about here just to kind of add some more relevancy to what we're, you know, uh, more clarity to what we're saying. Because, I mean, we're talking about like an ebb and flow sort of between tracks but um, Polyphonic, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, did this interesting little short all about um, these, uh, about Bruce Springsteen's um, sort of philosophy around it, where he, he calls it uh, the four corners based on like sort of the rise, like the beginning track of each side, like the beginning and ending track of each side of an album, basically. And that the idea is that you start upbeat and you end with like a downbeat basically you kind of end sad um and i just find that interesting because i've seen that a lot in classic rock albums um like when i was you know growing up and like you know when i was you know i i for some reason i can always just think of a few of of these tracks like of these albums that are like that uh i can't really think of any in particular because sometimes classic rock can kind of you know mush all together Mm -hmm. in in my head um but like there's definitely something to that that you know some some artist will you know purposefully start off like like i always would notice uh sort of how an album like will start off really exciting and then kind of go down again you know i i think maybe uh revolver is a good example Mm -hmm. that you know you started with taxman but then you go (laughs) immediately to eleanor rigby um, so it's, it's it, it can be interesting to just sort of see that relationship um, yeah I I also want to point out that because <laughs> I immediately when I was thinking of examples of good and bad track sequencing the first thing that came to my mind for bad track sequencing was um, Billy Joel's 52nd Street mm. um, so I, I don't know how familiar you are with this album by, but um, at the end of it um, it ends with so the, the final two tracks are uh, Until the Night which is a uh, like a ballad kind of type of thing and then the title track 52nd Street and so Until the Night is beautiful song maybe a little cheesy mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's definitely one of the cheesier Billy Joel songs which I think is saying a lot um, <laughs> for <laughs> for him um and it, but it feels like like every time i've listened to this album that feels like the closer and it isn't 
Instead, you get this jazzy, you know, mid-tempo track that sounds like you're walking down New York City, like like a street in Manhattan in, like, the 50s. Uh, and it's a great track, but it's such a strange way to end the album. Like, it just feels like, like you, you've just, like... It just feels out of whack. I, I, I can't describe it any more than that, any better than that. It just, like, like it... Because the previous tracks, even before that had definitely more of you know if like sort of it felt like the melodies like it felt like things were taking a slightly somber turn in a way like kind of wistful and then you know into the night half until the night happens and then it's just like oh you remember all this that we built up to (laughs) fuck all of that here's the title track yeah and it's it, it always screws up with me like even though i think it's a good album i just i don't get the idea behind it because then you go to something like you know the stranger which i'm pretty sure came right before it and didn't it didn't do that at all like it ended with um oh i'm gonna i'm gonna kick myself now for this thing um oh everybody has a dream that's what it is and like even that like like see like that was kind of a slow ballad and like it worked (laughs) <laughs> like and it ended you know you know technically ended with like a refrain of like the 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 sort of beginning of the title track mm-hmm. and it was just but it, it all kind of flowed together it kind of worked as opposed to just being like hey fuck you here's a jazz song yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and just to go back to um i mean that video was was great i, I really like that video of the uh, Springsteen, um, yeah, I, I think that really spoke to. You know, I mean, l- literally, it was part of the visuals of the video, um, that music written for vinyl kind of creates. To there's a reason you refer to it as side A, side B. I think when you listen to classic albums, there's very much like almost mini albums. I mean, depending how many sides there are, mini albums within the album. So mm-hmm. I think of how much. Uh, Boston self-titled album how like it opened with more than a feeling obviously that's like the feel-good radio hit uh, the piece of yeah. peace of mind's a great song but then like the side A closes out with foreplay and long time which I mean it's kind of difficult to call Boston prog rock but uh, it's you know like a more robust you have this big you know manic instrumental opening and then it goes right into you know it's been such a long time and it's just <laughs> I think I should be going yeah exactly um <laughs> But yeah, like there's just there's a like a natural rise and falls, a natural you know um, flow of ideas that you know obviously it doesn't follow the exact formula that Springsteen was going toward, but it feels like each side has its own voice, its own uh, flow. Yeah, and because something it, I really if, like. If I remember right, it it, it ends with uh, the whole album ends with what "Take You for a Ride," right? Take yeah, a ride. Yeah, uh, which is uh, you know a downbeat, you know somewhat. You know, I, I I guess it's much more stripped back than all of Tom Schultz's like electric guitar mm-hmm. stuff that he does on most of the album. Um, yeah. yeah, something I really like about that a lot of folk does, especially you know, contemporary folk, is uh, kind of the same thing. The kind of the the really you know punctuated penultimate track that's you know like very. You know, this big grand finale and then kind of cooling off with a, a slow which is you kind of to the point of what you know what Spring, the Springsteen video was talking about uh, I mean a, a very record very dear to my heart uh, I Love You Honey Bear by Father John Misty I mean this is this is one of my favorite things about um, the album is you have the song Holy Shit which is such a great I mean it's just it, it's again Father John Misty is someone where if you like his sense of humor and his commentary, you think he's amazing. And if you don't, you think he's a huge asshole, which is fair. Um, <laughs> but holy shit, is this very lyrical, you know, you know, very you know, topical commentary, but it's also a love song, and it has this big orchestral swell, this big grand finale. And then the last song is I went to the store one day, and it's just this quiet ballad, and the whole album is about, like, it's basically a love, a love album to his wife. 
and then it ends with just this quiet song about you know it all started when I went to the store one day and met you and it's just it's the perfect sequence perfect end to an album where it just captures all of the emotion that was put throughout the album um, yeah it, and it kind of brings everything around like full circle yeah too, exactly in a way um, I which I this is this is a really really bad comparison I like and I don't mean any either party to like to insult either party but I don't know if you remember at the end of Fallout Boys Infinity on High uh, it, it, there's like a little robot voice at the end and it says like turn to, into like now press repeat or something like that yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> it just for some reason I just was reminded of that uh, you know they, there are uh, I, I feel like I, I almost want to play devil's advocate for a second because um while i was looking through you know some of my favorite albums and thinking about their their track sequencing one came to mind that really doesn't have a great or at least it it feels um sort of unbalanced when you look at it as a whole and that's um talking heads remain in light Hmm. um because if you think about it like you know you got born under punches you've got great curve You've got uh, I can't remember the other tracks in at, like the, but like you know the idea said that the first half of it feels a lot more energetic than the second half, mm-hmm. um, and I just I the more I thought about them like that's I, the, that's pretty bizarre and like it doesn't I mean you know I guess it flows in a way you know in the way that it flows downwards mm-hmm. like perpetually like it's almost like a nosedive. And actually, now if you think about the title, that like the title makes, kind of, is the idea like remain in light, but the album's struggling to do that, almost. Yeah. I, 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 am I splitting hairs here? No, <laughs> I no, I, I feel. Uh, you. I mean, I haven't, I've, I haven't listened to the album enough to fully comment, but I, you know, you know, on my listens, I can, I can hear what you're. Um, yeah. Down. I, so, so, so maybe through. I mean, I, I, again, I think that the, this kind of goes into what I said at the beginning that th- there's no perfect way to sequence a track like the, the, there's no formula for it because i think contrast can play a great role in things um you know in in kind of disrupt what you think would make sense mm-hmm. in favor of something that is even better yeah uh but i mean if, if we're going to talk about other ones um uh miles davis's bitches brew i think yeah is a really good one that comes to mind which i I feel like it's a little bit difficult to make a case for this one in a way just because of how damn long the album is. But just considering that this was, you know, I it's it's one of those albums that I you know it's thought out in this way mm-hmm. that you go Pharaoh's Dance, Bitches Brew, you know, for like the first side like yeah. that makes like that kind of makes sense. I don't know why. Uh <laughs> But like I, I, I mean, you're also having Miles Davis and Teo Marcaro, you know, literally editing these jams down and like splicing them around to make, you know, cohesive songs. Mm-hmm. So of course you're going to think about flow, you know, in regard to an album like that. But yeah. you know, more modern uh, example. Uh, this is going to be run, but um, Atrocity Exhibition. Yeah. Right, Dan Brown. Yeah, because. You start with that insanity of downward spiral, but then you go to um, oh God, why can't I? Why am I so bad with track names today? What's the one that comes right after downward spiral? Um, tell me what I don't know. Um, and then Rolling Stone. So like you, you kind of like start high, or you know, depending if like if you, how you look at it thematically, low, and it kind of rises a little bit and keeps rising until you hit really dough mm. in a way like the, the, there's there's definitely some thought put into that yeah or even i mean i was i, I think any danny brown album almost i mean because i mean triple x is a really good example too but i i think it's done in a different way more like remain in light where you have you know sort of party side serious side with like maybe little bits in between that kind of flirt around but you know for the most part you have sort of a definite split and i mean i i i know you said that old does that i actually have never listened to old so really um, wow i would, I would I not would know strongly recommend because i i, I, I was gonna say that you know the whole thing about old 
is that, you know, obviously the more pitchfork friendly backpack wrap, you know, heady, gritty stuff is on side A, and then the more party wrap is on side B, which some people criticize, but I actually think that was a great idea in terms, like, in support of track sequencing, because I, I think the issue, which this is actually something I want to get into, so this is a pretty nice segue, um, a huge issue that rap albums have is just having, you know, throw it throw at the wall, see what sticks. Like, it's almost, track sequencing is, is completely, you know, just an afterthought, if that. They just want to get as many tracks, you know, and this, mm-hmm. is, this is even before the whole stream trolling thing. You know, back in the day, you have, you know, albums usually... If, if they flirted with 20 tracks, that was pretty normal, 15, 20 tracks. And I think Danny Brown, you know, letting each side of his personality, which is kind of the theme of the album, play out on its own and not trying to have, you know, a serious song about how, you know, you know, he was just going, like, he was, the song called Wonder Bread. You know, I was just going to the store to get, to get Wonder Bread. I said I just wanted the bread. And, you know, talking about how, obviously, like, even going to the store is dangerous where you grew up, you know. And then having a song like Dip about taking ecstasy, you know, and it has this big, flashy beat, it wouldn't really work. Uh, And that's something Mm -hmm. where I think when I think of bad track sequencing, I mean, historically, hip-hop and skits is just, like, me, the ultimate bad track, track sequencing. Just, like, in terms of... You know, if the idea of you know well sequenced album is you know like songs flow logically into one another, it, it you know feels like it fits and it, it really you know helps create a better overall experience. I think hip hop skits are one of it, like the bane of track sequencing existence. <laughs> um, I you know I, sometimes I I feel like you know Enter the Wu Tang does a good yes, job for the most th- part. That's that's the weird but thing that... is that when they work, they are. Perfectly, I think of Andrew the Wu Tang. Mad. I I will say the beginning of Cream, that like vocal snippet at the beginning of that has always bothered me. Like I I, I don't know why they just didn't mm. get right into it, but I, I guess it kind of works. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think of that. I think of Mad Villainy, where like the the skits make sense and they fit with the yeah. know, fit with the flow of the album. One of the worst examples, which I think you know, this is wildly considered one of the best hip-hop albums of all time. And I think because of the skits and because of the way that the album is sequenced, it's, it's, I think it's a really flawed album. That's uh, Ready to Die by Biggie Smalls. Uh, because oh, I, I, was, I was really hoping you were going to say Pimp uh, Pimp a Butterfly. <laughs> no, that one, I, I, yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, I like that album, but I, I don't like, I don't like the repetition of the Tupac poet, you know, poem. I also, oh, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm just tired of, of, people i i just dislike that album so much so i i just wanted somebody to talk shit about it i like it but uh, I, I feel like it's one of those one of those things where you really want a beer but you have to pretend to like cognac like i think good kid i think good kid mad city is just a much more enjoyable logical like it's not it's i guess maybe obviously the subject matter isn't as you know quote unquote deep or it's not as serious but I think I think Good Kid, Mad City is so much just more fun to listen to, um, but anyway, so um, Ready to Die, you know, has an intro which is like a bunch of you know random samples about he was coming to the world becomes a you know a gangbanger or whatever. I mean, it's 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 I don't know, it's it's a whatever. It's kind of it, it's what you expect from nineties hip hop, but then it goes to. Um, Things Done Change, which is like this big grandiose swooping soul sample, and it's like melodic, it feels like he's, you know, opening onto the stage. Then you have a Gimme the Loop, which is just this really hard hitting, um, you know, hard hitting gangster rap track, you know, Gimme the Loop. Uh, Machine Gun Funk kind of hits the middle where it's more of like a, you know, riding low, riding on the street, um, you know, bump, bump it in the whip. And then from there, I forget the exact sequence because there's so many bad skits. Um, the songs themselves aren't great, but just it totally loses its momentum because every song feels like it has the same kind of like weird, almost pop rap production. And then there's a there's a skit of him vomiting. There's a skit of him fucking someone. There's a skit of him getting a blowjob. There's a skit of him, um, you know, sniping some guys. And just it totally ruins the momentum of any 
any and all tracks that surround these moments. And I just, I don't understand. I'm glad that in general hip hop has moved away from it because that, that is one of the worst things about 90s hip hop is just like, they had no idea how to flow, not only flow songs, but I think part of sequencing is, you know, we, or part of constructing an album is knowing what to leave on the cutting room floor. Like if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't work on an album, just knowing that, you know, this is not, this does not need to be included. This does not need to be there. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's something that I I almost would argue that you could make that case for any, um, you know, genre, just in, in, in terms of, you know, having too much and, you know, not cutting enough, you know, not being able to kill your darlings in a way. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole skit thing, it it's definitely a, like, it's a mixed bag for sure. I mean, th- there are times that I feel like it, it kind of works with things like there are a few like moments on like Eminem albums where um skits actually kind of work like i'm trying to remember there's 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 a track on the Eminem show that precedes the track soldier um that i, I think works kind of well because or i mean it, you know it, it kind of builds up to things in a way um you know but yeah for the most part it's, it's definitely it's definitely not great i mean i i've i've definitely never quite understood why um illmatic begins like it does um when i feel like begin just start with new york state of mind right yeah no i uh i haven't listened to that for a while but i remember that it just doesn't yeah it doesn't i mean one of the things i like about illmatic is that it, it's it's pretty tight you know oh yeah it's, you know it's it, not... I, I had on the other day that that album is so fucking good like like it is, I I mean it, it deserves its spot. It is just so, so damn well made. Yeah. No. And just performed. Oh, and you're you're totally right that just the. Uh, I think it's called the Genesis. Yeah, the Genesis doesn't. But yeah. but then I mean New York State of Mind. It's a you know life's a bitch and like you have that like hard hitting you know boom bap that goes into a more you know, you know, kind of poppy something you know song so to speak, and then the world is yours is is kind of kind of splits the middle like it has that really big hook but it's some great rhyming too yeah that's such a great album oh yeah man i mean it, the, i mean now that i think about that that is a good like track sequencing too that i don't know if you notice how it kind of mellows out a little bit as it goes on like sort of second half of it like there are uh like i i'm trying to remember the exact name it's like that instrumental um i can't remember it now but like there are definitely moments of it where like you know the mood changes slightly and it just feels like it's perfectly in order mm-hmm. um i had a couple other runs um you know it's funny because when i was thinking about bad sequencing i was like uh i initially like like i was thinking oh the queen is dead kind of but the more i think about it i'm like that album's just perfect <laughs> like i you know it starts off uh you know with like Queen's Dead is, you know, the title track is kind of high, high, you know, sounding, you know, very energetic. And then Mr. Shankly just, you know, kind of bring things down slightly, mm-hmm. you know, still kind of that goofy Smith's bounce going on. But then you go straight to, you know, um, oh, God damn it. Why? Can you fill in the blanks for me? Um, I know it's over. Thank you. Oh, I love that oh, song so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this is a gr- a great example of track sequencing. Yeah, honestly. exactly. I like the more I think about it, I, I think it was because initially, like, had to go from the Queen is Dead to Frankly, Mister Shankly was kind of a weird whiplash when I first listened to it. Mm-hmm. But the more I listened to it, more it makes sense. And like, you know, you know, I know it's over is kind of like the lowest point of that album because if you think about it, it goes up from there because. Um, you know had no one ever is like slightly above that in terms of like energy but then you go to big mouth you know mm-hmm. and then you kind of go down again with uh i think i think was it boy with the thorn in this yeah. side yeah it kind of has what we were talking about earlier where you have the big you know big you know almost quasi finale with there's a light that never goes out but then it kind of has yeah. that um some girls are Some bigger than girls others. Some bigger than others. Like it's it's a it's almost a fun little send off, you know, to accent on. Yeah, I I I guess I view probably view that part of it, sort of like how I view Fifty Second Street, in that like I I don't get me wrong, I really like 
that song. But, I mean, there's such a finale to There is a Light That Never Goes Out. Like, that mm-hmm. is just, like... I, I, I feel like... I don't know. It would have been amazing to end their, to end that track. Like, but, but then again, I... You know, some girls are bigger than others. It's such a strange song. It's like, where would you even put that in the track listing? Mm-hmm. But then again... The way that song is structured, it feels like it's meant to be at the end anyway, but just sort of like the way way it begins and then fades out yeah, and comes back in exactly. again. Uh, yeah, speaking, it, it's. Oh, okay, yeah, speaking ahead. of the spits, I, I mean, I, one of the examples I thought of was, um, so obviously, the Smiths released you know a number of singles outside of their their albums, and you know arguably their biggest single or the single that got the most crossover appeal was. How soon is now? Uh, which was not on any of their albums, but for whatever reason, you know, the album came out in '84, uh, post '92, and this is you know the copy I ended up buying. You know, I just bought all their albums. Uh, they added that single to "Meat Is Murder" as track number six. Really? And it's literally right smack dab in the middle, and it just does. I mean, it doesn't sound like any other Smith song. Like it just it, it sounds like its own beast, and I mean, it doesn't necessarily. Because it's a good song, I wouldn't say it ruins the album, so to speak, but it definitely ruins the flow just because it doesn't, it doesn't sound like any of like any of the songs at all. Like even it is a it is an anomaly for that. Yeah, like, even though the Queen is dead, I mean, obviously you know, um, you know, frankly, Mr. Shankly and I know it's over. You know, sound very different, but they sound like they were made by the same band. Where I think musically, how soon is now doesn't really sound like. Like you know that that weird guitar delay at the beginning and in the kind of yeah. almost yeah, like I mean I, I thought the Smiths sounded like almost like like a jangle pop like almost like a '60s pop band that you know filtered through the '80s like they had that they they struck a really interesting yeah, it's, unique middle ground and, and I always thought how soon as now sounded pretty like purely like an '80s song which is why it didn't I w- one of my favorite things that our friend Andrew has said is that uh, the Smiths always sound to him like a Smiths cover band. <laughs> That's funny. I can see and, that. And I'm like, he's he's not wrong, but also fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. but but he's, I mean, but, 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 I, I could go, I mean, we should have Andrew on at some point. That'd be so we funny. We really should. Because uh, he has some great Radiohead takes <laughs> uh, that, that are, are just would be so much fun to debate um, yeah. but uh, <laughs> anyway. another example for a band that we both love actually a good and a bad one um, I just I, I feel like the seer is I mean really that that like you know golden era pop- I, 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 th- I, yeah, I think any of those swans yeah, albums like it's just it's so perfectly sequent like every time I listen to it I mean like a, a good sign that a sequence you know like the sequence is, is on point is when just everything flows together so well and it sounds so right to the point where if the album like if someone accidentally put the album on shuffle it would sound so weird to me and like i just would like it would yeah. be so bizarre oh um if we're gonna talk about that actually um have you ever have we talked about um the lateralis alternate track listing before no this is an interesting thing so uh you can look it up it's called uh the gift the, the holy gift sequence i believe um basically so fans of tool who are notorious for being um obsessive let's put it like that Mm. um they sort of took a lot some of the album's ideas and sort of specifically on the title track where uh maynard sings in uh fibonacci sequence and they sort of realized how much of the album could be divided into a spiral like like they, they, they took some lyrics to as kind of like an idea for this like impetus for this that uh you could actually play the album in a different order and the tracks actually flow into each other that way and it's theorized that that was the band's intention hmm. um i actually did i actually listened to it a little bit today like i i kind of just wanted to listen to sort of how each how the end and beginning of each track segues into each other Mm -hmm. and it's weird how well some of them segue into each other interesting um like really weird i mean you know some of them are really obvious like the album like the 
so this sequence begins with uh, parabola into parabola, mm-hmm. which I mean is kind of a no duh, but um, yeah, there are just there's some moments in it that are really interesting. But the thing is, they their reasoning for it and like sort of how they decided what tracks should go where is like specious at best. Like it's it's I, they're really going on on a limb <laughs> with this one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. But yeah, I'll have to, I'll have anyway, to check it out because so, uh, I I can almost just I'm trying to like mentally listen to it. Uh, I can see how it would work really well, and it's always, it's always interesting when you know fans take the power into their own hands like that. Um, yeah. So uh, I I mean I, you can there are playlists of it online yeah. like on like Apple Music. And you just type in like the Holy Gift. Um, it's it's there. I mean that's what I was doing today a little bit. Yeah. So. Um, uh, but, but what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted no, you? No, no, it's, it's a conversation. We're, we're, we're riffing. Yeah. It's all good. Um, <laughs> I, I think an, an example from Swan's discography that I, I, I've i always had a hard time getting into because of the way it's sequenced. And I mean, I, maybe it's a, only adjacently related to that. But I, I don't, I've never really been able to get into soundtracks for the blind just because I. It's not even mm-hmm. that it's bad sequencing. I just feel like it isn't sequenced. Like, it it's kind of a problem of too much variety. Like, I, what I love about, I think, I love dynamic albums. I love bands that just have variety on their their records. But I like when it fe- it still feels like the same band is is producing it. Like even on you know like like an album like The Great Annihilator, there are some tracks where or Children of God. Yeah, or like you know there's this you know on there's some tracks where Jarbo sings. And obviously, you know, it sounds very different from Michael Kira, obviously, but it still sounds like the same band at its core. And like you said, you know, they have more dark folk stuff, which, you know, fits in. But, you know, you have the typical industrial stuff on Soundtracks of the Blind, then you have some, almost some dance, like there's a dance track called Volcano that it just, I, I think when there's just too much going on, that was almost my, you know, to go back to partial, you know, partial impetus for this conversation, that was my problem with Black Midi is I felt like there was just way too much going on in the album and it's just I couldn't couldn't get a hold like I didn't really know what the album was trying to do like I didn't know what I was what I was listening to which I I, I, I feel like it could be argued that that's exactly what they were trying to do yeah for sure in a way sure. but but yeah I, I get what you mean like I'm, I'm on I'm definitely in agreement yeah but I think like just um, you know like I think even though it's it's chaotic it doesn't or like even though it's um, you know has a lot of experimental you know, in-your-face elements. I guess that's really poorly phrased, but hopefully you know what I mean. Uh, like, there, there are bands <laughs> that, uh, like, I think The Knife, Shaking the Habitual, uh, I mean, I, I've always liked The Knife, but I think Shaking the Habitual is really beautifully, beautifully sequenced. Um, I, I've never been able to, like, get through that album, honestly. I really like it. You know, I was I was a little, a little surprised when Fantano said that he, you know, he did that episode where he, albums that he's, you know, warmed up to and kind of cooled off on. I was surprised that was one of them. Because uh, I, I really like it. Um, I just, yeah, I, I've not been able, I don't think I was able to get through the first track and then to know that there's like that like 20 minute song at the end of it. Yeah, it's a 20 minute drone. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, eh, no. But particularly no. like the album opener, you know, A Tooth for an Eye is like this kind of, you know, tribal ambient, like tropical, um, you know, it sounds like an intro. It's like full of life, and then full of fire comes on, which is just so intense. Like that one-two punch is great. Uh, for a completely different example, uh, Mayhem, Dave Mysterio, Dom, Dom Satanis. Uh, I think that is amazingly sequenced. And specifically, you know, at that time, you had you know like when you're talking about early '90s black metal, death metal, you had bands just trying to be you know, raw in your face, fast as possible, and just intense, and, you know, obviously they did that, they opened with Funeral Fog, but then to, to follow it up with Freezing Moon, which is just, like, cold, creepy black metal, but, like, it, it, it opens up slowly, and, like, usually it's a track that you might expect to hear in the middle, you know, like, after you've had a few fast songs, you slow it down, and just, like, to, to open up with that one-two punch of, of kind of everything that you'd expect from a 90s black metal album but you know kind of before that genre was as well defined i just i i, I love that and it's something that i look forward to kind of to speak to the you know how well the album sequenced is i look forward to specifically that one two punch i look forward to like that stretch 
of music versus just you know the album itself for one song um it's interesting I'm, I'm thinking more and more as you're talking i mean actually but when you said uh open up slowly i i i, I was thinking <laughs> inertia creeps came into my mm. mind by massive attack and i'm like holy fuck mezzanine is a great great example of track sequencing like yeah. you know angel just really starts everything off but then you kind of go up for rising sun but then you go down again for um uh teardrop yeah it's definitely and but actually the the one i sort of wanted to end with uh that i was kind of flirting with is um and this is kind of a weird pick but uh wish you were here by pink floyd mm. And it's more just in terms of like you're you're kind of almost throwing track sequencing out the window, mm. like the uh, sort of the theory that we've established here because they're just like no fuck it we'll take this one big song cut it in half and bookend the album with it, and yet like it 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 works, mm-hmm. and it like like it 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 really acts to tie the whole thing together. I mean almost literally in a sense. Mm. Um, I mean, I also did have that on the other day, so it's kind of on my brain. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you, you could look at any Pink Floyd album from like that, you know, Waters Gilmore like era, yeah. and just you know, <laughs> as an example of of track sequencing. Just, just, just I, I think maybe just because of the whole conceptual angle that they were going for for albums at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't really have a ton more to say. I, I, I just, I think, I feel like this is something that is worth talking about more with, uh, I think, amongst, you know, music nerds and sort of amongst artists, because I think it's so easy to say, oh, you know, let's talk about, you know, sort of your creative process in writing these songs. But I think, you know, also to think about what's your process in picking out how these tracks are played you know and i i think while you know the album format is uh i i mean i'm really loath to say that it's dead because it's not and i really can't stand these i, I don't know if you if you've seen this on wikipedia and stuff like that that they call it they were in the post album era and i'm like that that's objectively not true um because there are still albums coming out every day yeah uh, so that's just not true. But, um, you know, I, I all I say is just that, you know, the format is being contested a lot. You know, there, there's definitely a change of sorts happening, you know, but nonetheless, I, I, I feel like this is a conversation worth having. I feel like it's a, it's something worth asking people because especially, you know, in terms of like playlist making, you know, not everybody shuffles a playlist, you know, there, there's a curatorial you know, art to making a playlist as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and obviously, yeah. you know, an artist didn't write, you know, you have a 12 track album. They didn't write those 12 songs in that order. They chose to put songs in that order. So, I mean, it has yeah. meaning. They, they had to decide to, you know, they decided to do that. So, uh, and, and again, just to go back to it, I feel like when I feel like bad sequencing is better to pick out than good sequencing, just because mm, you know when it you know, sure. albums you know sequenced well, you're like you just you focus on why I love these tracks. It's it, it, it's like bad production. Yeah, oh, ab- absolutely. Like if, if uh, you know, and obviously you'll notice good production, but I think it's more you might focus more on the songs. But you know, uh, that, that's why I've always thought it's it's actually easier to write a negative review than a positive review, personally. Uh, yeah, I, I think the hardest review to write is medium, like like kind of like lukewarm, because you kind of yeah. just want to say, yeah, it was all right, but like that's a terrible review. But obviously, when something is is when you love an album, you want to sing its praises. Um, but in some cases, you're just saying, yeah, this album's great, it's good, I like it. But like obviously, when you're saying why you don't like an album, you have, you feel you have to, you basically have to provide proof points. Uh, and I mm-hmm. think that when an album is sequenced poorly. Uh, I mean, I could think of a number of other examples from the ones I, you know, I mentioned. But I, I think, speak, sticking with Morbid Angel, uh, Formula's Fatal of the Flesh is their first post uh, David Vincent album. Like, their, you know, their, their original basis of vocalist. Yeah. It's really fast, it's in your face. And then, randomly at the end of the album, they decide to get prog and weird. 
and they do and it's super I mean it's not their fault but it's super dated like 80s um it kind of sounds like 80s dungeon synth like really cheap like <laughs> it's it's what you, it's what you heard from like the original Dungeons and Dragons cartoon like super corny and just it doesn't is, work is, is that something you watched as a child Scott? yeah no my dad like I swear to god I mean I, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but they made I, I do know what you're talking yeah, about yeah my, my yeah. dad made made like my sister and I vicarious children of the 80s because he just played all the stuff he watched when he was a kid and like we, you know, I used to play yeah like one of my memories as a child was playing Donkey Kong on and like Super Mario on his Super Nintendo and playing like old Yes and Boston records that he had like this, this is my childhood as, as a child in like the early 2000s just like, like listening to that is funny like, Scott get off your GameCube and get on the SNES yeah, right now exactly. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> oh man it's fun though I mean honestly like I uh, sometimes it, it would be nice if it was if it was simpler like that uh, yeah like, I was yeah. I feel like I'm spoiled like I tried I tried to be playing uh, Pokemon Gold the other day uh, I found my old uh, 3DS and I, I downloaded it. Yeah. And like the game was so much simpler and rudimentary, but like I miss all the modern advancements. So I'm like, I can't, I can't play this. This sucks. But, like I remember, like <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, like filled with star-eyed wonder about like, oh my god, this amazing game. And now, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, like, it, I guess this is a sign that we're we're towards the end of our our chat. Yeah, we're running out of steam here. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I, I stick to my point. I, I, I feel like this is a conversation that I think artists should have more, and I think it's something that should be talked about more yeah. amongst music nerds, uh, because it's it's something that I think whether or not you're aware of it, you're experiencing it. Yeah, especially you know in the age of stream trolling, it's it's more, you know, it's more important than ever. Like a well sequenced, yeah. well well constructed album versus just here's a bunch of songs. You know, have fun, asshole. Like it's not. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. All right. But well, speaking of albums, so I guess we like. Yeah. It's time for albums of the week. Yes. Yes. What? Uh. I guess I'll go oh, first wait. because you, you okay. started asking me. Um, oh, I mean, say so if you if you want me to go first, by all means. Uh, but. So I'm I'm gonna partially contradict everything I said because one of the things I love about this album is that it does feel like a collection of randomness, but I do <laughs> feel like. The variety and the sequence of every song is is super fun and creative. Uh, I I don't know, like I I feel like this band is so saccharine and, and corny in a way, but also they're super fun and tongue in cheek. Like they're just such they're such a bizarre band because I feel like if they were just a hair cornier, like or like you know just just a touch more you know less self aware. It would be it would just totally fall apart and be unlistenable. But I, I've always really enjoyed what they had to do. And recently, uh, I braved uh, one of our local record stores, which is always an absolute maze of stacks of CDs and vinyl. <laughs> and I was glad I found this because this is supposedly, um, arguably their best album. And I, I kind of agree. And it is Flood by They Might Be Giants. Uh, I, I this is just such a fun, fun band. And usually I, I don't like when when people say that, like when, you know, like, uh, you, usually it comes out when you say, I don't like that album. You're like, well, it's just fun. You know, it's just fun, man. Just, you know, just don't, don't, don't think too much about it. But this album is really super creative. It's, it basically sounds like they wrote a ton of really short, um, kids cartoon theme songs. And it, in some ways they did. There's a song, Istanbul, uh, not can't, not Constantinople which uh, I think was either written for or was performed by the Animaniacs. Um, and it just, it fits so well. And like when, when, you, when you think of their music as a bunch of like theme songs for car- like kids' cartoons that don't exist, it just works so much better. It makes so much more sense. <laughs> like it's so colorful. But then they have um, songs like Your Racist Friend where he like just in a very um, like a nerdy fashion is like, I can't talk to you anymore. You and your friend are racist. And like again, if it was presented just like a hair cornier and cheesier, I mean it is pretty corny and cheesy. But if it was just presented like if, like if the dial was was ticked a notch in like the wrong direction, it would be like oh this is lame. But like I don't know, I just I think it's funny, and I really I really appreciate that. I feel like the va- like if you play this for most of your friends, 
like any anyone like most of your friends you put this on the car they'd be like what the fuck is this like what are we listening to <laughs> i would say lauren said that a few times we we're listening to it she was like wow this is uh this is a choice this is something um i don't they might be giants have like a billion albums they have a ton i i have um so flood is one of their best oh what's the one i have uh it, it's like it's super colorful on the front um i but by any chance have you ever listened to the band beat happening no i haven't because like i it that just reminds like the way you describe they might be giants reminds me a lot of beat happening um a uh, friend of the show devin uh had me listen to their their first album and it is it, it it's like mm, it's like if daniel johnston had a band behind him instead of just doing his own thing you happening all right i'll have to check it out yeah uh i i i don't know if it's gonna be something you might be interested in. like like it, it sounds a lot like like kind of like that quote-unquote outsider music yeah sort of genre of things um but i don't know just be, because it, that's a band that just seems like that they just have fun doing what they're doing yeah th- that, that's kind of what i love about they might be giants is it just it feels it feels infectious you know it just it mm. feels like they have no you know like they're totally self-aware they know they're having a good time and like yeah i mean it, it's 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 corny it's a little silly but it's i mean that's kind of the point and it's 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 fun but like again i totally get it people listen to this and be like wow this is this is terrible and i'd be like yeah well that's okay yeah well yeah kind yeah, of it, it, <laughs> but i like it uh. i mean i, I mean I, I like i like music that just sounds different I, I, I like yeah. music that gives me something that, you know, I I, I, I don't know of a lot of other you bands, and I guess we'll you know, check out the band you just recommended. I don't know a lot of the bands that do exactly what they do. and uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of Sonic parallels, but, I mean, just in terms of just having, like, kind of quirky, weird band, that's, that's one of them for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, my album of the week is uh you know so what we were talking about uh you know hip-hop albums that kind of you know it's so easy for them to get bogged down nowadays with material but um you know and i was almost going to mention this album but it was my album of the week so i just kind of you know just kept my lips shut mm. uh you know very rare happening on this podcast um but it is uh by the throat by ideas by idea and abilities mm. uh it's the final idea and abilities album and it is uh one of my favorite hip-hop albums ever uh could be my my honestly my favorite hip-hop album i'm not really sure um but it is really tight uh like i'm pretty sure it, it i it's right around half an hour i think it's a little more uh but it it always feels like it needs to be a little longer but at the same time it also just feels right like the length feels right uh wow that 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 could be wow that that could be misinterpreted that that writes itself honestly it's just yeah like no one even needs to say that's what she said that's that's beautiful wow yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) but yeah there's some great tracks on this and the production is just fantastic you know it uses like a lot of like guitar in it but in all these interesting ways uh the song skydiver is probably my favorite track off the album, but uh, I think most people know the the track "Smile," um, which is a great track too. I mean, they're all really, really good. Um, yeah, I I just I highly recommend people listen to it. I I think it's just such a well written, well produced album. Mm. Uh, the lyrics are really, really interesting to listen to. It's uh, you know sometimes it can be a little on the nose. Um, I think idea can kind of come off as like a little pretentious in a way but i i've always found his lyricism interesting so anyway um thank you for listening i've I've always found what's interesting about i mean hip-hop i mean this is true in any lyrically based genre it depends so much on if you buy into basically what they're selling like if, if you think of like what you think of the the mc you know, mm. like you, know, if if you think he's an asshole, or, or if you think he's a genius, that'll totally 
like because there's so many times I listen to hip hop and there, like, there's some lyrics where, you know, even from an artist I like, where if it's a bad lyric you, you can easily write it off. But if it was an artist you didn't like, you that would be one of the lyrics you'd cite for why you thought they were bad, uh, which I always think is interesting. Like I was actually listening to uh, Midnight Marauders. Uh, but yeah. and like I love that album. I love love Trap Called Quest, um, except for Low End Theory, but that's okay. Um, no, it's it, it, <laughs> Low End Low End Theory is good. It's just yeah, Midnight Marauders is better. I, I just I I think why I'm salty about Low End Theory is because it kept me from checking out the rest of the discography for so long, and I like all of their like all their other albums a lot better than that one. But anyway, mm. like there's a line on. <laughs> There's a line on that where it says, I like my beats hard, like two-day-old shit. And, like, <laughs> if that was something Little Wayne said, I'll be like, oh, see, this is why Little Wayne's a joke. But, like, Tribe Called Quest said it, and I'm like, eh, it's a, we'll just let that pass. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... I, I, w- with Idea, I, I feel like he's more, um... It's, like... It's more like he's trying to fit so much so much into what he's saying that mm. it can sometimes feel like he's stumbling over himself yeah no i get that um yeah but i i feel like he does a good job of, of keeping it together for the most part but i mean i just I, yeah i you're definitely right like i definitely bought into his stuff pretty early and like when i um like there are there are still videos on youtube of him because he, he actually got you know he got big uh doing uh freestyle battle rap mm-hmm. Uh, and just watching some of his competitions are insane. Just how he's able to just get this stuff off, like the you know, just the freaking dome is just like insane to watch. Yeah, uh, it's so cool. Um, anyway, okay, uh, I, I are we done now, Scott? <laughs> hey, it's a it's a podcast. We talk. I had thoughts. I, oh yeah, no, no, I, I I didn't want that to seem mean. Now I'm sorry. No, I'm just, sorry. Just like, I don't know. <laughs> vibing here man oh uh, yeah oh no no, yeah. no. I, I i just i wasn't sure i was like just kind of thing more to say oh. i just want to make that's, sure that's that's yeah. really funny no like i totally get it we're like no i'm known to do that where uh you'll be like ready to wrap up and i'll be like well that reminds me well like <laughs> you know it, 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 the the thing is the microphone doesn't capture my my extended index finger <laughs> well <laughs> oh man um okay well, I think this is the end for this week. Actually, I didn't know. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we we we're, we're just gonna we're gonna ignore you. We're gonna cut out whatever you say. So at least it wasn't like the Sopranos um, where cut out bit set. <laughs> I actually have never I have never watched the Sopranos, but I thought that was. Funny. Yeah, no, I I I know the Family Guy reference though. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod- Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. Uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.